welcome to the Nightcraft podcast, where leading knitwear designer and author Erica Knight and I, Arabella, Erica's daughter and collaborator, chat about craft and creativity in the hand knitting industry and beyond. In this episode, we unpick what makes an old friend jumper and how these very particular hand knits make us feel. Southeast London calling St. Leonard's. Well, we're receiving you loud and clear this morning on a bit of a more windy day today. Yeah, it's definitely feeling like sweater weather actually, suddenly. I've actually got on one of my one of my favourites. It's it's just one of those really reliable, familiar, comfortable, um, old friend sweaters. <laughs> yeah, good jumper weather. Oh, that's really funny you say you say jumper actually. I was I was thinking about that. Um, that word and that sweater or jumper because I just discovered that in American English jumper actually means um, a pinafore a sleeveless dress that you'd wear over a blouse or a shirt jumper is actually a really British word because um, sweaters obviously always meant a woolen garment originally um, I think it's kind of late 1900s used for exercise literally to make you sweat that's where it comes from jumper actually comes from jump which used to be used as a noun again I think it was in the 19th century but that noun described a loose kind of workwear jacket more like what we would call a a workman's smock or something but that obviously fallen out of language Oh, I, I think that's so interesting. Um, I've just always liked that word jumper. So British, as as, as you say, back uh, when I sort of first started in the 80s, we had um, a fashion um, hand knit brand, a fashion knitwear um, brand, uh, but everything um, hand knitted. And we, because all these garments were lovingly knitted um, and took time and uh, what have you uh, we we um, adore we had this little strap line um, Molto makes jumpers and we had um, this as a little strap line or a little logo and uh, on every little finished sweater that was put together um, we had a little swing ticket and it featured um, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Oh, yes. And they were jumping. You know, we liked the fact that we had a little swing ticket anyway, because everything was lovingly handmade. Uh, I learned so much from these wonderful, uh, mostly women, that um, made these sweaters. Mrs. Park, Mrs. P, Mrs. West, you know, many people. I mean, we're all cottage industry, but we would get them to sign this little card, which used to say, Moto makes jumpers, um, as a sort of yeah, celebration of their work, of all their hard hours and everything, and being part of our sort of hand-knit, I suppose, community back then. But this lovely image, I remember, of the Duke and Duchess of Windsor jumping, it was from a book. Um, Bizarrely, my friend actually bought me the ju- a, a new edition, a new print of the jump book a couple of years ago for my birthday. And so it was originally published in 1959 
by a very celebrated American portrait photographer, Philip Hausman. And he, he was, he worked for all the major magazines um, in the 50s. So he photographed everyone, everyone who was anyone, movie stars, <laughs> politicians, actors, singers, dancers. And he had this idea to ask them at the end of a commission portrait session to jump. And he put together and he calls it jumpology. And he's got this whole essay at the beginning about, about you know, what it does to people and um, his concept for it. But it's so interesting because when he asked the sitters to do it, it kind of, it breaks the ice or they lose their inhibitions and they lose that self-consciousness. And it's really interesting to see the different ways that people jump. You know, some people can't, can't quite let go. And, um, but it's hilarious because there's like Marilyn Monroe, Grace Kelly, Dali, even like Richard Nixon, even that Walter Gropius is in there. Um, and, and of course, the royalty, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. I just think it's so fabulous. So jumpers, it is. What for you make, makes that perfect? Because it's so ubiquitous, isn't it? I mean, it's the perfect hand-knit garment. You know, if, if you say to someone, as obviously we often do, that you're a hand-knitter, people are like, oh, you know, jumpers, sweaters. And everyone has that somewhere in their life, whether they, you know, their mum's knitted for it, or it's a dodgy Christmas jumper, or it's something they've picked up in a charity shop, everyone does have that sweater jumper that they throw on for dog walking, or to be cosy in the house, or whatever it is. But, you know, for me, I think it's, it's that thing, more important, it's a bit like soft armour, you know, you put that on, and you can you feel good inside. I think that's important. I really agree with that. I think um, I've got a couple of sweaters that that do that for me. I think the best thing, I love clothes. I love fashion. I love kind of playing with different styles and stuff. And sometimes, you know, you'll have that, that maybe, you know, it is a new dress or it's something and you put on an outfit in the morning and it just, it makes you feel really great and you've just got that feeling where whatever it is you don't you know you don't have changes your posture you don't have to be tucking anything in or pulling anything down and then that means that you can just not think about what you're wearing and just get on with what you're doing but sometimes you know I've had clothes that I did really love and you know the first time I put it on made me feel like that but then you know you put it on again a few weeks later and it's it's not quite the same feeling, but I think with an old friend jumper, it's always that feeling. You always get that. And that's what I really love. It is that that soft armour. It's just kind of freeing. It really reminds me of my absolute favourite image of a sweater that for me really sums up old friend's old friend sweater. And that's um it's a really iconic image of Kate Moss by Corinne Day. Um, I think it was for ID magazine in 1993. And it's Kate, really young, just just wearing this oversized jumper that obviously, you know, belonged to someone else. And she's just got bare legs and just wearing that. And it's it's just really sums that up. It's, it's long and it's cosy and it's comfortable. 
and um yeah i just love that and i actually um recently found a this quote by Corinne Day that was, it really sums it up. She says, well, I think she was talking about, she wasn't just talking about jumpers or knitwear at all, but about um, her process, because obviously her photographs, and especially at that time in the 90s, like coming after the excess and glamour of the 80s, her photographs always described as kind of raw, you know, the gritty reality and very um, unpretentious, and she you know she says it's it's all about freedom really and being proud of the holes in your jumper which yeah. is just oh. perfect it's really Sorry. celebrating those imperfections and that is exactly what we're saying it doesn't matter what it what it looks like really it's it's more about a feeling but um and that image as well now looking back at it it really reminds me of you know, we did those images with um, one of our favorite um, photographers and friends, um, Yuki Segura, for, um, our, for the Erica Knight Yarn Collection for a cotton, um, some cotton sweaters that we did. And there was that one that we um, photographed on um, gorgeous oh. model Daisy. Yes. Wearing the oversized cricket jumper um, called Picnic. And Mary Norden, fabulous Mary Norden, did the styling. And she put it on Daisy and just just wearing the cricket sweater over bare legs um, and just with her hair, like really tousled, really natural. And it has that same feeling of that Kate Moss. Uh, mm. Just that, you know, just thrown it on and it's just perfect i absolutely love it i think it's yeah really captures that that feeling it's a, yeah they're, they're hero pieces i think as well for me i do love that kind of slouchy thing but as i was saying before it doesn't a sweater doesn't have to necessarily be um really casual for me to be a kind of perfect old friends jumper it's it is it's just yeah how you, how it makes you feel and another completely different image that I absolutely love is um Jamie Hawksworth did took some photographs in conjunction with the um the disobedient bodies exhibition at the Hepworth Wakefield wonderful in 2017 I think it was an incredible exhibition curated by the fashion designer J.W. Anderson Very and good. using a lot of his he's got an incredible archive collection of these iconic um, design pieces and he fashion design pieces and he selected from the Hepworth's own archive and juxtaposed um, like a Henry Moore sculpture with a with a fashion design piece and it, they just it was just so clever but getting back to the photo Jamie Hawksworth did took took some of the pieces that were using the exhibition and photographed them on local school children from in and around Wakefield from Yorkshire <laughs> and um, there's this one in particular of um, yeah a young schoolgirl wearing an amazing Comme de Garçon monster tube cardigan which is this padded 
tubes of knitting that kind of go all around the body and then these super super long sleeves but and in a way obviously it's 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 calm and it's you know Ray Kawakubo's signature kind of disrupting the line of the body with you know these protruding shapes and could be uncomfortable but actually because it's soft and when it's photographed on this young schoolgirl and she looks so serene and youthful and just natural in this picture it's mm. it's kind of like the cardigans just giving her a big hug so yeah. that for me also sums up that that that's that encapsulates that feeling of the old friend sweater it's um it's that's lovely it you know and I think that big hug I, I just think again is a big attribute but you know the image you're um describing there too reminds me of um oh a real um hero of mine um Sandra Backlund she's a really well-known Swedish fashion designer and fiber artist and it may have been a long time before that but it was a, a really iconic image of um quite look quite alien like you you know um or quite in, intestines um but done in a really beautiful sort of chunky arm um but this very sculptural knitwear um and real you know that that really epitomized very literally soft armor because it yeah. did look armor like so you know we've been talking about that old friend jumper is kind of a feeling or it has to be worn or borrowed but for you as a designer do you think it's possible to actually design a jumper to be an old friend jumper from the beginning or does it have to become an old friend design is always a challenge but yeah that, obviously that's sort of a mission you you, you know you, you you want that I mean we, we're talking images here when I, when I'm designing I've always got on my boards or stuck up to you know on the wall um, it's a fantastic image um, I think it's Peter Lindbergh I think it must have been a um, advertising campaign for Donna Karen back in the day it's a, it's a beautiful, it's very pared down. Um, it's a woman, um, indeterminate years, uh, grayed hair, scraped back, um, just full repose in her face. She obviously feels very comfortable in who she is, what she's wearing. And what she is wearing is this just lovely, really easy, grainy textural sweater it's got a bit of a slash neck which could have derived from a guernsey or something um and it's just layered over another bit of knit and it's layered over something and to me it just sums up for me how I want people to feel how you know a sweater I never think you know um <laughs> no, a sweater is wearing you I think there's a wonderful Hardy Amy's quote or something basically you know if you don't get it right it can look really messy if, if you don't do too much it can look really messy if you over design it um it will just be dreadful you've got to work within less and more you know that's your confine mm-hmm. uh, I must look out a proper quote because it, it's wonderful there is the design discipline for doing things you know for me that image I always return to it it's got to make the person who 
puts it on, immediately feel relaxed and, you know, set for the day. But, you know, how do you arrive at that? For me, a starting point, obviously, is the fibres. Yeah. Um, this is very much what I'm describing. is very much about textures. Um, you know, wool, obviously, is a starting point because, you know, wool naturally wicks moisture away from the body. It's totally sustainable. Um, you know, it's, it can, you can make it fine. You can make it, um, very, you know, uh, thick weights. You can, um, chuck lots of waste, uh, fibers in it, like nets, uh, to make lovely tweeds. You can twist it. You can just keep it like a roving yarn, which means it's very spaced out and airy. The manipulation of a single fiber is great. The, would that be the, would that be your ultimate fiber then for a old friend jumper yeah i think wool is if if i'm honest because it just wears with you it's sort of you you know you can manipulate the fiber and what have you that's the big challenge when you're starting a design but but ultimately you can blend it with alpacas or cashmeres or cottons and you know that softness and that i mean you know, it's a palette. It's a palette of texture. But there again, of course, you know, I'm a great, I love linen. You know, linen is, you know, our plant-based, you know. So it will be in our protein fibre and, you know, linen, our plant fibres, which we're going to be seeing a lot more of those fibres. Uh, and they're wonderful to work with. And linen is the most ancient of fibres as well. Yeah. So wool and, wool and linen, probably my two go-to. It just gets better and better with wear and with washing. And sometimes, depending on the yarn you're using, but linen can be quite stiff. And obviously, if you're used to working in wool, it's quite, quite stiff when you begin to knit with it. But then it just really softens up over time. And yes. I just, yeah, I love that feeling. And it is that kind of more more summer knits that you just kind of chuck on like at the end of the day at a beach or something like that it just makes you 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 feel good but i mean yeah going slightly to that knitting thing yeah you have to and again going back to our cottage industry we used to have to tell people hey it's about the process when you knit with wool you can actually speed a bit you know our lovely sally can you know who, who knits with us you know she can read a book listen to the radio and knit you know when you, you know, go to plant-based fibres, you know, you, you have to watch your tension much more. It's not so quick. It's much more about the journey. But, you know, for me too, uh, it's obviously, uh, uh, you know, the fibres are so important um, and how they'll wear, but also shape. I mean, that's so important in design uh, of um, these. Um, I mean, I veer towards quite masculine clothes. I mean, whether that's because... You know, I had four brothers growing up. I've always liked um, those masculine styles of these, you know, very simple um, sleeve heads. You know, it's not always a drop shoulder. Um, it, you know, for me, um, especially if you've got a lot of weight being carried in the yarn, you know, a raglan sleeve is great because you... it it's not heavy, the sleeves don't drop, it's distributed, um, you know, on the body. I mean, I could talk about the virtues of the raglan until the cows come home. But, you know, I, we, we, I like sort of, I, I think I did an old friend 
in, I think it was simple colour knitting, a book we did a few years ago. Yeah, it's that black and white plied one. I love that. Yeah, um, that that's always a return to. That's always, well, probably a signatory piece, I guess. On a, on a raglan, um, taking wool, a big, thick wool, and a thinner um, yarn in black, and just holding them together as you knit in a big scrunchy moss stitch. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter who wears that. What age, what gender, whatever. It's an old friend. Yeah. You know? Is it moss stitch or isn't it just stocking stitch? Because then you just get the random... I think it might be. It might have been an original one um, that I did that was in moss stitch. So I returned to that image. You know, I mean, we've just done, oh, um, coming home to Rowan. We've, we've just done um, that lovely project of coming home. And um, I've done a version of uh, self same sweater, but in wonderful big wool but actually using big wool two ends of big wool so it's super um exaggerated and um I think that's got a different sleeve but it I think it actually looks really contemporary but very comfortable yeah I think we mix that with a lovely mohair long skirt I think in the styling I loved that I just loved that whole sort of relaxed look but I mean that was all based on um, you saying about the moss stitch, that was um, oats, I was thinking of, a, a design years ago, back in the Molto days um, of the hand-knit company we had, oats. And this was um, a he literally a hero piece um, inspired by Captain Oates of um, uh, the wonderful expedition, well, wonderful expedition, the the wonderful hero of the expedition of um, uh, Robert Falcon Scott, um, who went to the pole. The Antarctic. Antarctic. Um, and we did a collection one year of, I think it was about 1983, of um, Boys Own Heroes. And obviously Oates was our personal. Um, it's when you look at old photographs of these intrepid um, ex Explorers. You know, explorers and people who and what have you um all that knitwear it was fit for purpose you know it's real workwear it's yeah. got to do the job the wool would have been still have the lanolin in it to fight the weather the shapes would have to be robust to have straps they manhauled and those are real inspirations they i constantly return to um you know, those details, that authenticity, you know, practical things. And so, um, you know, we had this big sort of hero piece called Oats. So I, I returned to uh, that sort of shape a lot. After that collection, um, good friends who had a studio in Wapping Wharf um, phoned to say, oh, you'll never guess what. There's um, this wonderful guy called uh, Robert Swan. Um, is going to retrace the footsteps of Scott. He's um, got this um, boat um, out here um, called the Southern Quest. Um, you know, it's uh, a replica of the Discovery, and he's 
you know, getting sponsorship from all the original people, down to Moe and Chandon and uh, Woolsey, who had supplied for the first expedition, um, long johns and mittens and vests. Well, we were just up there like a shot to, <laughs> you know, this is just wonderful. We gave them sweaters for the expedition. I mean, nowadays, you know, I mean, it's very different. It's all lipstocks and breathable fabrics and what have you. But, you know, the challenge for them too was to be using the same. Off they went and they were man-hauling, of course. Um, but they took lots of photographs of us. We're very generous of them. They took photographs of in uh, the hut where Scott and the team um, would have been Wilson Evanson, you know, they, they would have been. And um, they did reach the pole. They did reach the South Pole. Um, unfortunately, um, when they, uh, on their way back, uh, I, I believe that, you know, the pack ice came in a bit early that year and um, the boat sank. The Southern Quest sank, along with all the sweaters, of course, you know. <laughs> But, but um, I mean, the, the explorers were fine, weren't they? But it's yeah, their, their boat, the boat. They got airlifted out. Air out. And Robert Swan, um, you know, wrote a book um, in entitled Footsteps of Scott. And we are mentioned in the back, which is, you know, a, a complete thrill, complete thrill. But, so what's happened to those, those sweaters? They're just... Well, I guess they're under the pack ice, but unfortunately <laughs> with climate change... Uh, now, um, or maybe for my prosperity, longevity, um, I believe, you know, when the, you know, the pack ice melts, I think come bubbling to the surface, maybe <laughs> the, with um, the label Erica Knight at Malton. I kind of love that because that, that will just give the sweaters almost another life as well. That whole thing of another life, you know, there's seafaring sweaters that one used to be able to pick up in charity shops and uh, op shops and things um, or along the way or it can be an old garden sweater you know giving things another life um, resurrecting them you know like you said before you know something that your mum's made or you've been given I don't know they've succumbed to the moth but it's my new you know my new thing in lockdown um, I just think repairing knitwear, um, it's, you know, it's one of the new crafts, not a new craft by any stretch of the imagination. You know, nothing is new in knitwear. It all comes round. We're all um, resurrecting new skills. Um, but, you know, visible repairing is just wonderful. I'm yeah. loving it. It's like the, um, the Japanese, um, that art of repairing sashiko, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Mashiko. It's beautiful. I mean, the wonderful Celia Pym mm, uh, has God. made a complete art form. Yeah. You know, the part of the sweater is reworked and visible mending. Um, there's many, many workshops now one can do. Um, the um, uh, uh, guy, um, the wonderful Tom of Holland, I keep saying wonderful, he's you know, <laughs> extraordinary. Um, Tom of Holland uh, lives in Brighton. Um, really does workshops all around the world. He's so celebrated. And um, it's a celebration of the stories, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know? 
I like that. Not, not just, obviously it's great. And I think, you know, with natural fibers and these sweaters, it's so nice to repair and to darn holes. And obviously that is a, you know, a really old skill, but actually taking that and making the repairs visible. I love that because it just shows, it shows and celebrates the, the imperfection and also the story that it's been on its its journey and I love what you what you did recently on one of my um it was actually a it was a hold my hands up it was a shop bought cardigan but I'd had it um yeah it was just lurking in the drawer for so long and it had got the moth it was a wool one um but it was that dark khaki green one and you've put oh, yeah. amazing just really bright colors and I just love it I think it's so fab and so many people have commented on it um it's yeah it's just kind of transformed it into into something else and means that you know something that you might think was ruined kind of beyond repair actually gets a new lease of life well, I think, you know for so long knitwear has been about a shape um, you know, we do this one textile and make it into a shape and that's the end result. But, you know, one forgets, you know, there's as textile artists, because I very often think, you know, when you knit, you're creating either textile, yeah. um, other people, you know, they see that as a shape. You know, um, so you get textile artists and fashion artists very often in art schools like that. But what is lovely is layering up that textile. So you reveal, you know, that hole becomes, you know, dotted all over. You, you, you put an extra by embellishment all over that piece. What I love is that I love, I've always created holes. I haven't been popular very often for making holes in sweaters but it's a wonderful stitch it's totally scary when you do it it ladders you ladder yeah. but you know I I started to, to knit during the punk years so I mean I didn't deliberately do holes then they were you know <laughs> I was burning but it didn't matter you just put a safety pin there you know it really didn't matter and you chucked it down a runway you know obviously you know obviously to craft work which I think would I take as a attitude you know but it was usually the damned or the sex pistols or something you know but you know those and I return to that a lot of, of making contrived holes it's lovely to reveal a pattern underneath or this extra layer of warmth and you know because knitwear is a layer you know very fine knitwear is layer next to your body and you can layer it up with other things and and that's part of the process I think you know it's lovely to have those layers now yeah and celebrate know. like celebrating that process as well and um yeah and it doesn't matter if you you know if you make a hole while you're knitting or something it's it yeah that's just the story of of that knit and it's yeah celebrating the handmade I think yeah for me yeah you know this old friend jumper I mean they are celebrating hand knits they've got to be you know the imperfections it's got to be it's very easy what I loved and thinking about why I started them you know I loved back in the day when they looked handmade I've got all this sort of techniques now I can make something and that used to be a thing after the first, after the second world war, of trying to make things look shop bought, 
but it's lovely to celebrate the handmade and you sort of lose that the more techniques you can do it becomes too perfect you know an old friend jumper should tell a story a bit you know be really comfortable you know a bit worn obviously possibly well traveled you know might have been on the southern quest the antarctic um, back. <laughs> you know but certainly got a story it's got longevity you know whether it's even a baby sweater that you pass on um but you know ultimately i think i like that word that you 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 say ultimately especially now when you know we're still in lockdown and maybe for a few more weeks it's a big old hug so here's a big old hug to you thank you so much for listening in to our chat and a big thank you to Kirsty and Keir for their insight and practical help in editing and producing this podcast next time I'll be asking Erica to delve into her yarn stash and if possible to select just five favorite yarns and tell me why they have earned their place in her collection. Mm-hmm.